Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Sean Blanc, a writer, blogger, podcaster, and Taekwondo black belt, among other things. How's it going, Sean? Hey, it's going great, Brett. How are you? It has been a while. You were on one of the early episodes of Systematic back on 5x5. I know. I want to say I was like episode eight, but I'm yeah. not 100% sure. I do, I do think it might have been single digits back then. It you're, was it was in the early days. You're on episode 199 now, so yes, I will never forget that one. <laughs> 199, so close to being the 200th episode. A buck 99. That's dude. Congrats. Hey, thanks. 199 episodes. Yeah, that's no small feat. <laughs> Especially with like a really bad year of my life in the middle of it, uh, <laughs> but we survived. So. I think off the bat, I would like to talk to you about Ulysses. You have yeah. a uh, you have a video a video that by the time this comes out will have just released, uh, or a video series on learning Ulysses. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we run this nerdy, super nerdy website, uh, the Sweet Setup, and I think we're coming on like four years now. Um, I actually remember I launched it literally. It was. Um, like just after my second son was born, he was born like September 9th. Um, like the new iPhones were being uh, announced, like all this stuff. And this is in 2013. And uh, I'd been working on this, like wanting to have this website come out. And I'm like, I got to have it come out before, you know, the holiday season. Cause that's when all the stuff, cause we we're going to do reviews of iPhone apps and Mac apps and stuff like that. Um, and so like literally like we come home from the hospital and like I took a, like a week off or so and then just got right to work building this website. So anyway, sorry, that's like some origin story stuff. I have no problem with origin stories. I love the origin story. I like the, I always like to know the why. Yeah. Um, as, as do my kids, which drives me nuts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm maybe a little bit more sensitive to it. Uh, anyways, um, well, they just want to know why. <laughs> okay, sorry, it's total tangent. The other day, my oldest son, Noah, he's almost six. He goes, um, I can't remember. I don't even remember what the question is. But he goes, he goes, but why? And don't say because. <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, nuts. Like I'm busted. Uh, so I had to come up with a real answer. Anyways, okay, so we do these reviews of apps. Um, but instead of just like reviewing stuff that's brand new or whatever, what we'll do is we'll dive into like a category and we'll research and we'll test and we'll try out kind of all the top contenders and all the popular stuff um, and, and the not so popular stuff as well within a category and then like pick what we think is like the best app. So uh, I think we're at like 75, 76 um, apps right now that we've kind of done these these deep dives into this category, uh, different categories from weather to do items, podcasts, uh, shared list reminders, um, like read it later, later services, a uh, bunch of stuff. And just say, hey, okay, this is the best X, Y, or Z, whatever. So Ulysses has been like our pick for a while now in terms of like the best writing app. Um, and we kind of call it the best pro writing app because we it's hard to just like blanket statement some of these things. It's like, okay, some people might want more or less than what certain picks offer. So anyways, long story short, um, we're huge fans of Ulysses. And something we've been trying to get into is doing more of the um, kind of training around some of our top picks and we've we've kind of done surveys and, and talked to our readership about like hey you know 
when it comes to using apps and, and stuff for, you know, just your day-to-day life, like what are some of the challenges that you guys are facing and, and how can we help you solve those? And one of the big areas that we heard back from people was that they, you know, we're already helping them find the right apps, but then helping them get the most out of those is something that they're, uh, you know, almost everyone raises their hand and they're like, I know this app could do more. I just don't know how to take advantage of it. So we're like, okay, that would be awesome to, to help people basically figure these apps out and kind of get improve their workflows and, and be more productive with these apps. So we did a guide to day one journaling a little while ago. It's a, like a PDF, iBooks, um, you know, we had it on different platforms uh, for day one. And so I was like, well, let's do Ulysses because Ulysses is is really great. We all use it. I'm a huge fan of it. I use it myself. Um, I was like, and what if we did instead of like an iBooks style thing or a PDF guide, what if we did it as like a series of screencasts? Um, and so that's exactly what we did. It just came out, I think, uh, like just a couple days ago when, whenever this, I'm not sure the timing here, but, uh, just came out like Tuesday, August 29th is, uh, when when we launched it. So I'm excited. Yeah. Um, that was the super long answer. That was a perfect answer. So yes, you're not doing this in, uh, you're not affiliated with Ulysses. This is a kind of a fan series. I mean, you're doing yeah, it as, a, as a, a believer in Ulysses. Yeah, and I think that there is um, – that's been an interesting line to walk, honestly. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, and I'm sure a lot of your readers or your listeners know, Ulysses, like, just recently switched over to this subscription, um, subscri- subscription-based pricing. So it used to be that you could buy the, the Mac app and the iPhone apps uh, together, and it was like 80 bucks to buy them. Uh, and then they switched over to the subscription pricing now where you can you get the both apps, you get all the syncing and stuff like that, and you can pay for uh, you know the ability to have them all synced together and use them. And it's like five bucks a month um, or I think it's $40 a year. And they announced this, I think, like two or three weeks ago. And like, I mean, just a lot of people were really, really upset about it. And, um, just this huge change. And it was literally like at the, I think they announced it like a week after we had kind of told people that we were going to be working on this new course that we're coming out with on learn Ulysses. And so for me, like in the, the weeks leading up, we've been working on this course since, uh, the spring. So several months now that we've been working on it. And, um, and so for me, like our plan, like leading up to the, the launch at the end of August for this course was, hey, I'm going to write a lot of articles about Ulysses, about how I use it, about other use cases, uh, you know, because you want to get people interested and be like, oh, Ulysses is cool. I could like that because for us to sell our course, you, we've also basically kind of got to sell people on the idea of using Ulysses as well. Because um, obviously if you don't use Ulysses, there's you're not going to learn very much from our course because it's not going to help you. So kind of basically just trying to get that sorted out and figured out um, in terms of all the marketing and promotion. So we had all this marketing material lined up for the whole month of August leading up to our course launch right at the same time that then, uh, you know, Ulysses ends up announcing that they're going to be, you know, they're changing their pricing model. And so we started getting a lot of people ask like, hey, are you affiliated with Ulysses? Did you know about this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we're not. And I think that uh, that because we not only recommend Ulysses as like a great app, but then we're also doing this course. I feel like if we were actually affiliated with them or had some sort of relationship with that, like it would, um, I don't know, like it's, it's a, it's a line that we got to be careful to walk because you don't want to get into that place where you're breaking like this, you're entering into like a conflict of interest or you're breaking your reader's trust. Right. Um, 
So I don't know. It's been it's been interesting uh, going this direction with our products and services of not only reviewing apps and recommending particular ones, but then also doing like you said, like these fan, uh, you know, fan. It's not fan fiction. Fan nonfiction <laughs> um, around <laughs> around the apps. Uh, so, but I'm excited about it. I think it's gonna be cool. And uh, you know, a lot of people obviously are, are, are jumping in and excited about the course as well because Ulysses is really it's a really cool app. So, so. Can, let me ask your opinion as a user on uh, both the new model for Ulysses and the way that they announced it. Thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's hard, you know. I, I had to, I, I, th- I thought about it a little bit. Obviously, like I signed up for the subscription. You know, it was a no brainer, um, but it wasn't like an easy no brainer, and it was because. From one, you know, like me, Sean Blanc, I'm a dude. I like to just, you know, buy something and then just own it forever and never have to pay again. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Um, you know, like I bought a hammer, you know, at Lowe's <laughs> 20 years ago and it still works just fine. And I would not want to pay like a dollar a month to have access to my hammer. Um, I just want to own the thing. But uh, at the same time, like that's just, um, you know, for the, those hammer people to, to stay in business, they got to like keep finding new people to sell hammers to. And for an app like Ulysses, that's this very, um, you know, it's got, it's a very targeted, very niche audience of basically, you know, guys like you and me and, and people and um, that do a lot of writing and need a spot to not only have a great writing app, but also like organize and collect and group your stuff. Uh, you know, I have several different websites that I write for, uh, several different projects that I'm creating that I'm doing work on. And like all of them, they all involve writing and like just all my ideas, outlines, notes, inspiration, all that stuff. So for me, Ulysses is like a really essential tool. So all that to say, like I kind of just wanted to pay once for it and just have access to it forever. But then at the same time, realizing that I really rely on this app for so much of what I do. And not only is it like really great um, just to use, but the the things that it offers are so helpful for me. That just saves me a ton of mental energy. It saves me a ton of time and things like that. And so it's, uh, I was like, okay, I love the fact that they're moving to a more sustainable business model because it means they're far more likely to continue improving this app and keep it around for the long run um, as opposed to I bought it once, they end up going out of business, and now I'm using this app that eventually will cease to work on my iPad and on my Mac and on my iPhone, and I'll have to find a new app. So the fact that they're kind of moving to this sustainable business model um, is great. And it means also, like I was reading through their marketing material, or not their marketing material, but the uh, like the behind the scenes uh, of why they made the decision, and they published it over on Medium. Um, in my brain, I just, you know, if it's medium, it's probably marketing, um, <laughs> which isn't necessarily true. It's just a good place to, to publish a blog post. But, uh, you know, they were, they were talking about some of the decision making behind why they did this, uh, this switch to the subscription model and something that Brett, I, I'm sure you can probably relate to is like when they, with their old model, they would have all these features and they would kind of have to like feature stack for each release. And so you get to like a major, you know, like a, whatever, like a, a 2.0 or a 2.5, like a, a, you know, a major point release for the app. And so they'd have all these features that, that some of them were like done and ready to go months ago, but they got to save them so that they can have this big release that has lots of, you know, fancy features in order to get this splash of attention in order to get new people to come and buy the app. And 
they're going, if we move to a subscription-based model, there is no uh, reward for hanging on to features and doing this kind of feature stacking, right? They're like, we can create huge updates, uh, you know, or, or a significant feature and release that big significant feature as soon as it's ready and not have to hold on to it until we can put two or three or four more features all together. So basically you're getting more consistent updates um, that aren't just bug fixes, actual like, you know, shipping of new features on a regular basis. Um, so there's a huge advantage on that component. Um, so I don't know. I, I totally understand it. I totally get it. I, I think a lot of people are really frustrated, really upset. A lot of people are angry, which I think is an interesting, it's an interesting mind. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a weird spot to be. Like if you're angry at someone for them moving to a, a legitimate business model, um, you know, there's just a lot of entitlement going on, which I didn't say that. And I wrote about it on the sweet setup a little bit, just, uh, some thoughts regarding it and, and whatnot. And, uh, I, I tried to refrain from like this entitlement mindset that I've, I've been seeing, um, which I felt a little bit myself, but like, you gotta, you know, I don't know. These guys are, I don't know. So anyways, I think it's a good move. And I think the way they announced it, I, I, I think they, they did it the right way. You just got to come out. And they were ready to go. So the apps were ready to update. They had the new apps ready to go. You could get them. You could switch over to the new subscription model. It was really, really easy to do. Um, worked without a hitch. And I mean, I don't know how many thousands of people went through that process in the matter of a few days. And uh, it worked pretty much seamlessly. So I, I think the way that they announced it was pretty good. I did hear a lot of complaints about the way that because they offered like a, a switchover discount uh, for current customers. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of people uh, on Facebook groups and whatnot talking about how they they did it, uh, but they it, like it didn't go the way they were told it would. I don't remember exactly what the issues were. Um, well, the way yeah, I, so they if you um, so for me, I was already a customer. I got to purchase the apps on iPhone and iPad or iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Um, I had purchased them all you know a while ago. And so I was eligible for basically a discount on the subscription pricing. Uh, and so they, they framed it as you get it as 50% off. Um, but then you have to pay for the year. So they have monthly and annual pricing for the subscription stuff. It's five bucks a month or $40 a year. Um, and what you can get it if you pay for it, um, if you, if you're already a customer, you get this discount, they frame it as 50% off, but it's only 50% off the monthly price, but then you have to pay annually for it so it's kind of like a it's 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 like framed a little bit awkwardly um and i i wouldn't it's it's not disingenuous but it doesn't quite come across like when you say here 50 percent off you think oh cool well, i'll do the annual subscription at 50 percent off it's like no you're actually it's just 30 bucks a year so it's like t- quote unquote 25 percent off the annual price or 50 percent off the monthly price but it doesn't matter because you just have to pay for annual yeah. Anyway, so it's thirty bucks a year if you're uh, if you've already spent eighty bucks on the thing, so yeah, oh. you get ten dollars off, you know, the so, annual price. Like on a case by case basis, I'm able to defend the subscription model. I know how software development and sales works. Um, yeah, work. you totally do. But uh, as I start seeing like premium apps switching over and only offering the option to basically rent the software. Um, I'm seeing my monthly totals start to pile up and, uh, it's, 
it's a little disheartening to me. I don't see it as sustainable. That's it's why I I think like set app is such a good idea. Did Ulysses pull out of set app? No, not that I know of. See, to me, like I'm willing to pay a monthly subscription fee to get all the software I need and kind of have all of those costs laid out up front. I know, you know, I'm not going to find a new app that I have to add another five bucks a month on for. Mm-hmm. Um, I like like I said on a case by case discussion of each one I, I can justify i can say this is the value i get out of the app this is why I, it's worth it to me to make sure development continues uh i i feel like a lot of companies need to offer uh, a reason uh for the subscription beyond just hey you know we can give you features faster like have a reason you need to do things like on in a cloud uh custom sync kind of things um I think a lot of a lot of uh, business models would be better served to have a, uh, you know, an antiquated buy the software you own it, uh, you get support for this period of time, and then an add-on subscription, add sync to it, add you know a pro fee, pro version, etc. Uh, because I think there are a lot of users who, like for, for me, I I don't use Ulysses that much. I don't do my long form writing in any app really other than a text editor. Um, I, I like Ulysses. I think it's a really well done app. I like the guys in the Solomon. Um, but I don't use it so much that I want to keep paying for every month. I kind of want to have it there when I need it. So, right. No, and I've had to, that's a really, really great point is the, not only like the sustainability from a user's perspective, how many apps can, can you or I or the people listening, how many apps can we individually afford to to pay for? Or do we want to afford to pay for um, on a monthly basis? And then, you know, like I'm thinking about an app that I use from time to time, but when I need to use it, I really need to use it. And it's Coda from Panic, right? Sure, yeah. And I don't do a lot of coding on our sites, but like as we're building out this Learn Ulysses course over on the Suite Setup, we uh, basically had to build out like a new, some new theme files for our WordPress site um, and readjust some stuff. And I was the one that did that. I did it in Coda. But so I've spent more time in Coda like in the last month than I probably have in the entire year leading up to it. And so it's like if Coda were to move to a subscription model, what would that look like? Here's an app that I really need, but I only need it sometimes. But when I need it, I really need it. And so how do you like, do I have to subscribe to that app to, to pay for it? Or do I like just have it not, you know, quote unquote, like dormant, like am I unsubscribed to it? And then when it's time to do some coding, I can subscribe. But it's like, well, then what do I do for the time that like, oh, like we installed the plugin and it broke everything. I need to FTP into the site real quick. Do it like, okay, hold on. I got to renew my subscription real quick before I can FTP. Like, you know, like, I mean, exactly. and that's not, that's not happening right now, but what like that to me, like that's where my brain goes is potential use case scenarios, um, for the subscription stuff. And that sounds just subpar to me, you know, especially as a Mac user where we're just so used to things, you know, it just works. Um, so I don't know. And you know, we're still early days, so who knows, but obviously the landscape is changing. And software developers are trying to figure stuff out. And I would rather pay more for really great apps than pay less for non-exist, you know, than, than not even have apps that I need or they're just, you know, poor. Yeah. Um, which is obviously like why I use an iPhone, you know, instead of Android. It's like the, the, the quality 
is is there and i i pretty much pay for all the apps that i use because then you get the the best stuff and i love it so i don't know so what do you think of the set app idea for anyone who doesn't know set app is uh it's it's an app store created by mac that has a, a growing number of apps it was 70 i think they're up over 100 now um where you pay 10 bucks a month and you get access to every app in the store for as long as you have your subscription and if you only need something once a year, the developer gets paid when you launch the app. And every time you launch the app. I was going to ask app, you how that works because you're on there with Mark. Yeah. So um, I, was, I was wondering how that works. I get daily so stats the- saying how many times people launch the application and I get paid. It's a, There's a formula based on number of launches and the cost of the app if they were to buy it directly. And uh, then they take a 30% cut in the store. And I get a monthly check and it, it's a subscription. I get to make subscription money without having to make force users to switch to a subscription model. Mm-hmm. And if someone, I think that's kind of cool. If someone owns Mark, but they also have set up, Mark can tell them, Hey, you could use this version and get faster updates and always have, you know, uh, always be supporting the developer. So it's interesting. I think that, I, well, I like your, okay, so lots of questions here. So the, with the setup model, um, I think it's pretty clever. I think from a business standpoint, I think that's, that's a great idea. And I think it's great for, especially with you guys, like assuming that the, the, um, the scale is there and that the pricing model works, then that's awesome. It's a win-win for everybody. And I know a lot of people were talking about this you know, years ago in relation to the iTunes app store, the Apple app store and the Mac app store was like, man, you know, what if the, the model for music basically were to translate over to apps and, you know, that same similar thing where I were to just pay 15 or 20 bucks a month and just download any app that I want from the Mac app store and, or the Apple, you know, the iPhone iOS app store. And, uh, would, wouldn't that be cool? And then obviously I'm only going to download, X number of apps. So every time I download one, the developer gets a cut or every time I launch it or use it, whatever, and they'd have to figure out this algorithm. Um, but it seems like that is in like some ways it's like, man, that's the direction it's going. But in other ways, it's like, that's a, that's a weird direction to go to have this, this subscription based mindset. Like you said, like we're, we're renting these apps. Um, and it's just a, it's a, it's a, just a different mindset. It really is. It's just not the mindset that, that people like you and I, uh, grew up with with software. It's like I'm just so used to just buying software and owning it. <clears throat> and like with with Panic again, come back to them. They just recently released Transmit Five, which is a huge, massive update to their FTP app. And uh, I think it's been like four years since the last one, since Transmit Four came out. And I didn't buy the upgrade because I use, like I said, I use Coda for so much, and uh, Transmit Four still works great for me. Like I. I'm not like a massive heavy FTP user uh, with my sites. And when I do like transmit four still works just fine. And so there was, for me, there was no need to upgrade. Um, And I kind of like that, that it goes, okay, here's these apps that when I need them, they work for me, but I don't need them very often. And um, so I don't know, but then if you were to go the set app route and it just, if everything, if every single Mac app, every single iOS app was just available under this banner subscription, you know, and you're paying, well, like 50 bucks a month. Like I didn't even know what it would be. Um, you know, maybe you have tiers like who knows, right? Like pro apps, you got OmniFocus up at the top tier and then, uh, you know, 
the, just the, the, the more simple, you know, little utility apps. Like I just got this utility app, uh, from the app store. It's called uh, tooth fairy and it's like a little menu bar Bluetooth manager for your headphones. <laughs> and so like, if you ever pop your air AirPods into your ears and they accidentally like don't connect to your Mac when you wanted them to, you just can click on the, the tooth fairy icon up there. But you know, it's like a $2 app. And so that's like at the, maybe that would be at the lower tier of the, the subscription model thing. And so you could have different tiers. If you pay 10 bucks a month, you get these, this tier of apps and whatever we're getting just like super nerdy details here. But, um, <laughs> you know, like, would it go that way? Like if I knew that I was just paying 20 bucks a month, just every month, um, it was, it just became part of my budget. But then I also knew that I could just get any app I needed and I would have access to it and it would be updated. And then the developers, um, you know, can there's, you know, less, less concern about marketing and making a big splash. And I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, so I it's, mean, it's interesting. I'm on both sides, uh, user and developer, and I can see the benefits in both directions. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot to figure out yet. We'll see what happens as more, sure. as more premium apps make the, the kind of switch Ulysses did and just kind of pull the rug out from people who had the, uh, we'll call it the old mindset. I think it is, you know, I think that's just the, you know, it's a, it's a it, things are just changing just that, you know, I mean, it's the same with music. People used to freak out when they're going, I can't even, you know, I can't buy me. I want to own it. I want to own this record on a CD or on tape or, you know, well, vinyl's making this huge comeback. Now I was at a Coldplay concert and the only physical copy of their album that you could buy was vinyl record. Yeah. Couldn't buy it on CD. The but cost like, must well, have come back down yeah. on vinyl production too. Cause for I'm a while sure. there, like through the uh, early aughts, you could buy vinyl of most of the, the bigger albums that came out, but it would cost you like 30 bucks for the, for the record. I'm seeing cheaper prices now. So not by be, much uh, though. I mean, it's like 25. Is it so? It's, it's, it's not significantly cheaper. Yeah. Huh? I think it's just, it, I think people are just, it's just coming back. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> you in know, a but there way. was this, it was the same with music. You know, we were all freaking out like, no, I want to own my music. Um, but now I'm going, but the trade off then was sure you can own your music or you could pay 15 bucks a month and get access to everything. And so with apps, we're in this middle ground where, um, well, and I, you can still buy, right. You could still buy the vinyl record if you want. Uh, you can still buy, albums from iTunes. You know, you can still right. go and pay for the latest Taylor Swift album. You can go pay for the Coldplay, right? But, um, or you could subscribe. It's one or the other. And so, you know, Ulysses, you got day one, some of these other apps that are going this route right now, they're only offering the subscription version and, uh, you can't, you know, you can't, there is no other option. Um, and then also there's that challenge. There's just that the difference in terms of the digital apps it's like if I go buy a record, that record will play forever. As long as I can buy a record player, if I keep those in good condition, they will always work. Whereas if I download an app to my computer and a few versions from now of OS updates, that app may not work anymore. If almost, the app almost also, guaranteed not to work. Yeah, exactly. Especially on iOS. And it's like so um, so chances, you know, and then you're going to miss out on the, the coolest features that the, the OS, you know, works with and it's not tying into the APIs and stuff like that. Um, so it is, it's like, it kind of is like that transition where we went with music, but it, it's just a little bit messier and a little bit different. So I, I was, don't know. 
I was actually going to start to pull away from this topic, but it is interesting <laughs> that um, iTunes and the Mac App Store have kind of forced uh, a change because they don't offer upgrade paths. So if a developer yeah. wants to keep an app working across OS updates, uh, they have to do it for free. Or yeah. they have to write you know, a new app, release it as a new purchase, and just tell everyone, hey, you got to buy it again, uh, which does not allow for like upgrade pricing or anything that actually feels good to the user. Uh, and so that in and of itself began to change people's mindsets around it. But there is definitely still this sense that I bought this app and it is your responsibility now for the $4 I paid, I should get updates for life. And that's a, yeah. that's a mentality I can't agree with. Like I've never... I've always been happy to pay upgrade, even if a even if an app upgrades every year, and it's an app I use daily. I'll buy the new version every year. I'm fine with that. So, why would subscription be harder for me? I don't know. Something feels weird about it. I guess it is an ownership thing, but I'm not anti-subscription. Uh, I've just become a little more skeptical as I watch those monthly bills go up. Anyhow. Yep. Um, yeah, so we, you know, I'm looking at time. I kind of do want to talk about, uh, indie publishing and your experiences there, but we'll have yeah. to keep it. We'll have to keep this like a 10 minute section. Can we do that? Okay. I will, I will be as brief as possible. So let's see, what year was it that you, you quit your job and went indie? 2011. And so six years now you've been uh, writing and creating uh, multiple sites, podcasts, uh, membership podcasts, things like that. How's that been going and how has it changed in six years? It's been going really well. Um, I was talking to a friend about this over lunch just yesterday. And because uh, back, I think you were, you were around back when I first quit my old job yeah. back in 2011. And, uh, you know, went indie and I just had the one website, SeanBlanc.net. And like you said, I had this, I, I was doing some advertising and some sponsorship stuff and I was making about a thousand bucks a month through the ads. And it was, it was, it was you know, that's was, was great for a little side, side project, but not enough for full time. So when I decided to quit my job, take the website full time, I announced this membership model where people could pitch in and pay three bucks a month and uh, support my writing. And then in, in return, they would get access to this podcast. I called it Sean today. It was like a members only podcast. Um, and that went pretty well. I think at, um, at about four to 500 people sign up, uh, when I, when I announced it, which was awesome. And so I was able to go full time. Uh, it was, you know, it was a humble income at, at, at the beginning there, but it was enough and it was great. And then just been able to grow from there and build from there. And I think a lot of things have changed. Like if I was going to do the same thing again today and be like, hey, you know, I'm writing, you know, full time and support me for three bucks a month. Uh, I don't think it would take off nearly as well as it did back then. And because the, the landscape has changed so much, there's a lot more people that have gone indie, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, you can only support so many independent publications with your money. Um and I don't know. I think people are just, it's just not as novel. It's not as exciting to, to see someone do that these days as it was back in the, back then. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely <laughs> changed. And then, uh, I think some other stuff that has changed, we were kind of talking about this pre-show, but just the, uh, the shift, you know, we're doing this 
this course for Ulysses, this Learn Ulysses thing. And part of the reason we're doing this as well is like one, like direct response to our readership in terms of how we can best serve them. But also uh, from a business perspective, it's a shift into just trying to get an additional revenue stream and a different business model where we're creating products directly for our readership as our primary revenue stream um, as opposed to advertising and as opposed to affiliate income. And right now on the suite setup, we do all three. We've got advertising, affiliate, and products. The only thing we don't do is we don't have any sort of membership model right now, but um, we have these other three legs. And, uh, you know, just over the years, just watching that advertising revenue kind of getting, it's getting a little bit harder to, to, uh, to get it and your ads aren't selling for as much as they used to. And, um, it used to be like when we first launched the suite setup, like, you know, our sponsorship calendar was just booked out for months and months and months. And, uh, just over time we're, you know, it's kind of just slowed down and, um, I would rather spend my time creating new products for our readerships than hunting, uh, hunting down advertisers. And so that's just, you know, we're just trying to go that route a little bit. And then same with affiliate stuff, you know, we had, uh, when Apple announced that they were going to basically cut all of the iTunes affiliate partnership stuff from, uh, you, you get 7%. So someone goes and buys a 99 cent app through our website, we get a, like a seven cent commission on that. And Apple's like, Hey, we're going to cut that down to two and a half percent. And, uh, that was, that, and then they backtracked on it a little bit and said, well, we'll just do two and a half percent, two and a half percent for, um, in-app purchases. But if they buy the app outright, then you still get your 7%. Unless you link a free uh, app. Now they do. It used to be that if, if you linked a free app and they went to the store through your link and then bought anything, you got a commission. Yep. Now, if uh, if they click in through a free app, you only get the affiliate. I think it's only the affiliate commission on the app that you link to. I think for the, yeah, I think it, yeah, I think that's all I know is that my my affiliate uh, commissions have cut by about half since they made that announcement, and I never. I it's not like I was going to stop using affiliate links. They're they're free, so. <laughs> I didn't research right. it very fully. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, which, you know, the affiliate stuff for us has been our, uh, you know, our, our number one source of revenue for the suite setup. And so we've seen about a 18% drop in our affiliate revenue since they announced that, um, which isn't, you know, it's not, it's not terrible yet, but it's like, Hey, that's, yeah, that's just the direction it's going to be going. And so we can, you know, we're just obviously doing everything we can to increase you know, our website traffic and, and write more articles and stay more relevant, but also going, you know, Hey, if I can, if we can sell like one, you know, like just one $29 class, you know, like that's, you know, that's a ton, you know what I mean? That's a significant, uh, significantly higher margin and and significantly more profitable for us than the affiliate stuff. So we're going that direction. Um, and I love it. I really enjoy it. It's, it's definitely a different animal. Uh, you get a lot of different, different types of feedback from, from people. Um, I think the biggest one is, you know, people do not mind seeing ads on our website. They don't mind seeing sponsored posts. Um, but like if we promote something that we're selling, they're like, Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, (laughs) what are you trying to push on me here? Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's, I only trust you insofar as you're talking about someone else. 
Right. It's, it's re- no, that's really true. That is, I think it's this, you know, that people like, I don't know if I trust you. Um, and obviously that's on us to build the, to build trust with our readership and, and make sure that they know that we're, you know, we're, we're putting everything into the work that we're doing and we're trying to make amazing stuff and, and make it awesome for them. So yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting, but I love it. It's fun. You know, I, I feel like this stuff is, you're just figuring it out and it's always changing, but it keeps you on your toes and trying to build that that audience and serve them as best as you can i feel like i'm getting too old to keep up with all the changes maybe i'm just (laughs) worn out right now (laughs) i feel like you're always worn out i i go through phases these days so when you were on here like episode eight or whatever i was having trouble Mm -hmm. sleeping like i hadn't hadn't really slept for years and I had no like meditation practice or any kind of physical exercise regimen. And I, I told you all of this and every time those things have changed, I've thought of you and like, God, I should tell Sean. <laughs> I've been like, cause these days I meditate, I do yoga, I sleep eight hours a night and like all of this daily. And it's a very different lifestyle for me. I'm not making as much money because I'm, you know, taking care of myself, but it's a bit of balance. I think that's awesome. Um, I remember we talked about on that show when you're trying to go to sleep and your mind is just going nuts. You would, you would in your head, you would say, shh. Yeah. Uh, right? static. And I, I, I still, yeah, the static, I still do that. I actually, uh, was lit- I was just talking to my wife about that a, a couple days ago. You know, cause like, you just gotta go, babe, just shh <laughs> in your head. Just go. Shh. It just helps you. It works. Just, just I shut up it. in there for a little bit. It does. It really does. I, I, I do it too. It's, it's a great little practice. I think, you know, and the, the, the idea of if you're not working, then you're not making money. Um, is another big challenge that we've been facing is how to build. Uh, and I think, you know, after several years of being indie is this transition from, from, or not a transition in terms of, uh, what I do, but in terms, at least in terms of skill set is, um, improving that business development skill set and improving the way that the business operates and going from, okay, I'm going to be an indie publisher who, you know, which is sort of like a freelancer or whatever, where it's like, I'm, I'm going to do the work that I love, but if I'm not doing the work, I'm also not making any money. And how do you shift over to then a, a, a place where you are able to make money, you know, while you sleep, uh, and it's like, I have a friend, Sean McCabe, and he says, if you're not making money while you sleep in the age of the internet, you're actually doing it wrong. And like, that should be, you know, we always talk about, oh, how cool to make money while you sleep. It's like, well, actually like, that's just how it should be working. That means you have a business model that works without you having to be direct part of it. Um, so that's been something that I've really been trying to focus on the last year or two is just going, okay, I am a maker. I love creating stuff. I love, you know, serving our readership and making these products, but I also need to shift into a CEO mindset of how do I build a sustainable business that doesn't need Sean Blanc, but it can, it can be valuable. You know, it doesn't need me to, to be valuable or to be interesting to people. It just needs to stay true to the values and, and the way that the business works. Um, which is surprisingly difficult to do. Yeah. It's, it's a huge, <laughs> huge obstacle to R- overcome. Writing an app that remains relatively successful in an app store is the only reason that 
I, uh, I have any income while I'm sleeping. And I'm glad that I am able to do that. Uh, if someone said, hey, yeah. I want to go indie, what should I do? <laughs> My response would be, right, make something you can sell that, you know, will just continue to sell so that when you go through dry periods or hard periods, you have that passive income. But yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I wish I had your drive. That's the way. Your energy, your dedication, devotion. You're a good man, Sean. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Take, um, it takes one to know one. <laughs> So I'm going to take a quick sponsor break uh, after all of this talk of sponsors and whatnot. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Smile and Text Expander. Uh, you can use Text Expander to eliminate boilerplate drudgery and communicate smarter. Text Expander is perfect for standardizing and improving the written replies that you do every day, which I'm sure you're, you're familiar with, Sean. I'm sure you <laughs> have some repetitive writing you have to do. And uh, you can gather, perfect, and share your knowledge uh, because you can share snippet groups with your team and, uh, and make them as public as you want them to be. Uh, you can recall your best words instantly and repeatedly. Every time you type something that you know you've typed before, you can save it as a snippet. And next time, just have a couple keystrokes that fill it back out. Text Expander can format dates, autocorrect misspellings, and search your collected knowledge with just a few keystrokes. Um, when you share with others, you make everyone more productive. Uh, so get started quickly with pre-made public groups that are available. You can try Text Expander free for 30 days. Text Expander subscriptions include software for Mac, iPad, iPhone, and Windows. Uh, visit textexpander.com/systematic to start your free trial. So that brings us to the top three picks. Yes. Do you feel mentally prepared for top three picks? I am mentally prepared. All right. Well, I'm it goes ready. it goes round robin one at a time, and you get to do the first pick. So my first one is going to be nerdy. It's the new ten and a half inch iPad Pro. Nerdy and expensive. And expensive. Well, I hadn't bought an iPad since the uh, second generation iPad Mini, so I was kind of due for an upgrade. And I yeah. was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then I was like, uh, they're just not, you know, I waited for the spring announcements for the new iPads and they updated the regular iPad and that was it. And I was like, uh, all right, I'm just getting the, so I got the 9.7 inch iPad pro back in like March. And then like two months later at WWDC, they're like, and the new iPad, 10 and a half inch iPad pro. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> no. So I sold off my uh, 9.7 and bought the 10 and a half inch. Um, and I love it and I use it all the time. Um, probably as much, maybe not quite as much as I use my Mac, but I use it quite a bit. I am on the Each edge fan. of, uh, making my current, one of my current Macs, like just a permanent stationary, like workstation and not using a laptop anymore and just getting an iPad pro for the stuff that, cause I have to go back to my computer to do coding and everything anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, for most of the stuff that I would do on the go, uh, I'm generally fine with uh, just working on my iPad Air 2. So it kind of seems, it seems like a legitimate, the the Air, the, the iPad Pro looks so uh, usable and powerful from just a regular computing perspective. I think I could do that. It's great. And I have that, that exact setup. Basically, I've got an iMac and an iPad. And... 
one of the main reasons I wanted the iPad was so that I wouldn't have to come back into my office. Um, yeah, I have, a, I have a home office where I work from. So when I leave here at five o'clock, I want to shut that door and I don't want to come back until the next day. Um, but I still have like personal emails. I'm the president of our neighborhood's HOA. So I got to deal with stuff like that. Um, I have other things that I want to do and write and, um, just have access to the internet. Um, other than here on my iMac and then also when traveling, be able to, to do work when I'm traveling. So the iPad is a really, really great, um, you know, alternative device so that I can still do things that require writing or email or the web or whatever, uh, from not my office. Um, either it's upstairs in the living room or outside on the back deck or when I'm traveling, it's, it's great. I, um, just in the last year or two, finally, I mean, I've listened to Vatici talk forever about uh, how you can use the iPad as your main computer and mm-hmm. do all, all your work can be done on the iPad. Um, but for a long time, it seemed like kind of a, a stretch. Like I would just get frustrated. I could do this so much faster if I were just sitting at my keyboard. Uh, but in the last couple of years, I have I've found with apps like Ulysses and Workflow and um keynote on the mac like i've been able to do some very important like things that are very important to my workflow purely on my ipad without feeling in any way crippled uh putting keynote presentations together on an ipad is actually a delight i had a lot of fun with that that's awesome and presenting from an ipad yeah all right so my first pick is Less nerdy, but still um, hardware. It is the Anchor Soundcore uh, Bluetooth speaker. This thing right now on Amazon, uh, the prime price is, uh, I think, 40 bucks, And it is a really, really good portable, weatherproof Bluetooth speaker. Uh, I have been, I've had no issues with its 66 foot range uh nothing ever drops out on it for me the nice. uh the harmonic distortion is almost nil it's uh it's wonderful i love anchor to death um <laughs> so many good products at such affordable prices and so i jumped on this one and i am not disappointed do you have a favorite bluetooth for- speaker I, you know, we went with Sonos a little while ago and now I'm like going all in on the Sonos stuff. Yeah. I've heard Um, that happens. It costs more than 40 bucks. Yeah, it does cost more than 40 bucks. So I got rid of, we have like a little jam box. Um, and that's it. So I don't, I don't really have like much Bluetooth stuff. I used to have, um, oh, I forget what it was called. I'm, I'm the, uh, oh, it was this really cool. It was like a cone looking speaker um and it was like airplay or bluetooth it was really cool but then like they went out of business and uh so like the service behind the scenes wasn't working with it and you know there's that's a really good example of like a buy this product once expect updates for life you know i bought this hardware bluetooth airplay speaker that was supposed to be smart like you could hold the button and you could talk to it and you could tell it what you wanted it to play and it would find it from, you know, the, your library and it like synced with your Apple music stuff. Um, it was really cool, but like 
they didn't have a sustainable business model. And so the, all the service behind the scenes stuff stopped working and the speaker itself stopped working. And it's like, wow, that was a total just waste uh, of money. <laughs> and uh, this is a really cool looking speaker, though. That's but, a uh, it's a better correlation than the the hammer. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> like your house isn't going to upgrade and obsolete your hammer. Nope. So this is true. <laughs> and anything that uses technology that will change is uh, that's an equivalent to me to the software yeah. subscription ideas. Yeah. All right. My second pick is uh, the Baron Fig, the new Jumbo Baron Fig notebooks. Um, they're not super new. They're like six months old, um, but they're the same size as like an iPad Pro, and. I love it. Like I've, I've been a Baron Fig fan since like their Kickstarter years ago. Uh, I've probably got like, I don't know. I got a lot of Baron, used up Baron Fig notebooks. Um, I just use them all the time for everything. And so everywhere I go, like if I'm traveling, if I'm upstairs anywhere, like if I'm walking around, I have my iPad and I have my Baron Fig notebook. And the, these two kind of just go hand in hand for me. Um, and so I'm a huge fan. And the new size is just a little bit bigger. And I love it. Um, they're really cool notebooks. And, what, uh, do you know the size? I'm looking through it on Amazon. I see um, A5. I it, for Baron Fig, I don't. I didn't even know if they sold on Amazon. Um, if you would like, I think it's just BaronFig.com. Oh, they do sell on Amazon. Uh, There's a few okay, of them cool. on here. But yeah, cool. All right, it's the bigger one. I don't know. Um, it, it's not like an It's not an A5 size. I don't know. What uh, what what is the primary? If you had to list the one thing that sets them apart from other notebooks for you, why why Baron Fig? They've all got the uh, well, so it's the confidant here. It is. Um, oh, that can't be it. It's like fifty bucks. This is not. I don't think this is official Baron Fig. You should go to BaronFig.com. <laughs> got it. Anyways, uh, yeah, these notebooks do not cost fifty dollars in real life, um, but that's what Amazon wants to sell you for. So for me, what makes them different is the they've got this lay flat design, and then uh, they've got the the dot grid, and the dot grid for me it's like the exact like the contrast of the dots on the paper is just right, so it's just light enough um, to not get in your way, but dark enough that you can see it. Um, so it's not like this really bold dot grid, and then the spacing it's like this tight spacing, so it's just it's just perfect. I love it. Um, and they're just really well made. I think they're just cool. They've got personality to them. They've got this cloth cover, uh, hard cover, you know, cloth wrapped thing. Um, that's really great. Um, I think they're really reasonably priced. It's like, I think for the regular size confidant, they're like 15, 16 bucks. And the jumbo one, I think is like 25. Um, and I just go through these notes. I just use them. So I go through one or two, three pages a day of just notes, ideas, just I jot stuff in here. I just doodle. Um, and I don't, I don't think about it and, uh, I love it. Nice. All right. Yeah. I, uh, I have been getting back into writing on paper. I'll check that out after, you know, uh, 30 years of not writing on paper. So <laughs> my next choice is, uh, a website called lists.design. Um, it's actually one of the new, uh, TLD design domains. And it is basically a collection of dummy content, Lipsum content uh, for anything. If you design, especially if you do web design, this is a way to just grab like 
a whole bunch of Brazilian addresses or a list of animals, uh, a fake article that would be science or sports or tech or world uh, using, you know, the different formatting and, and uh, sentence links that you would find in each one. Um, there's just a long list of data that you can pull as text or uh, JSON blob and then work right into any kind of whether it's an API or just pull it straight into like a design you're working on. A perfect Lipson nice. site. That sounds cool. Amazing. Yeah. I, I miss a, like bacon Lipson I used to use more often, but yeah, there were some really funny ones. But clients don't love it though when, when you show them their design, but you filled it in with bacon and kitty cats. <laughs> I know, right? They, they go straight to like, what's, what, what is that? <laughs> And then they can't see past it. They have trouble looking past the content. Weird. So weird. <laughs> so what's your third pick? Look at the colors. The colors are pretty. Uh, okay, my last one. And uh, I feel better now that you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that you're, you've gotten into this. But I, I started, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't want to make it sound like glorious or exciting or anything like that. Because um, it's only been like two days. But I just started some yoga. <laughs> and, um, it's funny, like, cause I used to just kind of a little bit make fun in the back of my head of, of people that did yoga and yoga. Um, but I, I mean, I've only done it for a couple of days now, but it's, I like woke up this morning. I was really excited to, to, to go do my yoga thing. Um, and I just like Googled for, you know, yoga for beginners and I found a YouTube video and I just like put that in the living room and I, I'm just like following this, this girl's instructions um, and it's, you know, it's kind of short, it's like 25 minutes, but, uh, I have like, I, I like really jacked up my back a little while ago. And so I had to go do like some, some chiropractic therapy and some sports massage stuff to get things worked out. Um, and my, my chiropractor and my massage therapist both were recommending that I try yoga and do some stretches and like, you know, just the muscle strengthening stuff with that. Um, and you know, you mentioned earlier, like I have a black belt in Taekwondo. I did martial arts for a long time and I didn't realize how much overlap there was going to be between the yoga stuff and the martial arts stuff. And it's actually pretty cool. Uh, so like some of like the, you know, whatever is like warrior one, warrior two, like some of these poses and, uh, some of the stretches that you're doing and different things, there's a lot of similarity in terms of just the movement, the, the stance that you're in and things like that with the, with the martial arts. So that's really cool. Um, and it is like, I feel just during my day, I'm actually like, I'm breathing better just from getting some of those like stretching, stretching out my sternum in the morning and just practicing on my breathing in the morning and stuff like that. Um, and it's just cool. Like, cause I, I just wake up instantly thinking about work and what am I going to do today? What am I going to write about? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And all this stuff and being able to, not dive right into work right away, but instead like spend 15, 20, 25 minutes letting my brain think about something else. Um, it's been, it's been really cool. So that's my third pick yoga. I, I won't, <laughs> I won't go into depth, but that ex that's basically exactly how I got into yoga. Um, I had been in uh, rehab for my back and at the same time, occupational rehab for my wrists. And uh it was costing me a lot. My insurance wasn't covering any of it. And they didn't suggest yoga, but I had a friend who was a yoga instructor. So I went to her class and very quickly realized that everything they were having me do in rehab 
I could basically do in the at that point. Like once I had gotten into good enough shape uh, to start rebuilding things, yoga I I could stop rehab and go to yoga and uh, and it it was a slow start and I sucked at it for six months or so, but uh, being in the classes was helpful because people could tell me exactly what I was doing wrong, and uh, yeah that. Then I realized, because they had for a, over a year had cut my ADHD meds completely. Um, and so I was struggling to figure out how to work with that. And I found out that, uh, well, first walking was helping clear my head enough that I'd get a couple hours of work in. But yoga mm-hmm. in the morning, I do my yoga at like 8.15 in the morning now. And it it energizes and clears my brain to the point where I can just do like a a uh, 30 minute meditation later in the day and like renew it. Uh, yeah. So that's, if you need any tips on yoga, I've been doing it for a while now. I just sent you a link to what I, I finally was able to do a couple days ago. Uh, this is awesome. The, uh, the e- Eagle arm balance with Eagle legs. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm working on the upside down stuff these days. That's crazy. It's fun. No, I think it, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. I have uh, tendonitis in both my shoulders uh, and have for a long time. Um, I lifted really heavy when I was in high school and ended up like just jacking my, my shoulders because of it. Um, so I'm interested to see too, like if I can begin to do, I've done some physical therapy for my shoulders, but nothing has really, really worked yet. Um, but all the physical therapy that I've done has been with uh, like weights. And so just doing different strength training stuff. So I'm, I'm interested to see if the, if, you know, maybe some stretching and yoga might help. Who knows? It's, you, it's just been fun. You, you know? won't I'm, be I'm able to, to see where it goes. You won't be able to give up the weights because the thing about yoga is the, the muscles you build are all muscles for pushing. You're always mm-hmm. pushing against gravity or against yourself. Uh, anything yep. like triceps in general require <laughs> that you get some weights. Um, so uh, that is one thing to be aware of. But I, 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 it's been mentioned on this show a couple times in the last year, but I do recommend looking up forest yoga, F-O-R-R-E-S-T. Uh, okay. It's, it's uh, in my opinion, it, it gets to be more athletic, but it's also uh, less rigorous and designed around recovery. And uh, you can start it with like extreme pain and and it will actually improve it rather than put you in poses that, could potentially make things worse. So I would take a look at that. All right. I'll check it out. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you want to, do you want to link a specific yoga video or just yoga in general? Uh, let's see the one that I've been doing. Um, let's see here. It is, uh, it's, it's this girl named it's yoga with Adrian. I'll send you the link here. She has like, I just Googled it and this was like the, the one that came up and like her yoga for beginners thing has like 12 million views wow. uh, or something like that. And, uh, it, it was, it was kind of cool. And I guess she's got like a bunch of, she's got a bunch of stuff. Her YouTube channel has like 3 million subscribers or something like that. It's so, awesome. Well, and I like was reading the comments under this one too, and they were all really positive, which on YouTube is <laughs> like, impressive. Whoa, like, you know, what what happened? Especially Someone when you're a woman in tight clothing on YouTube, that's uh, always inviting the uh, less than. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, we'll just call them unfortunate so cool. comments. Yeah. The unfortunate comments. So, anyways, it's uh, 
It's cool. It's All right. It's short. It's like 22 minutes. That's a good uh, start. And, and uh, I, I feel like it's a good introduction to some of the, the, the yoga. Well, it's, you know, yoga for complete beginners. So that it, it, it's, you get exactly what, what it says on the tin. Well, and I think, I think that's needed because there are a lot of people who, who like you and me laughed at yoga for a long time and uh-huh. then decided maybe I should try it. But it's really, uh, it's, um, it's intimidating to think I'm going to go to a class, especially as a guy, I'm going to go to a class where, uh, it is more than likely to be almost entirely women. And they're going to assume that I'm there to pick up somebody uh, and I'm oh, going to no. look like an ass. <laughs> and, oh, great. Uh, but no, like for me, once, once I got comfortable with the people in the classes that I go to, I, I, I fit in great now and I feel very at home there. So anyway, uh, you, a, a YouTube video you can do at home in 20 minutes. Good idea. Yeah. Much less intimidating. <laughs> so my and last pick, my last pick is going to be all sides. Uh, my friend L pointed me to this the other day and it is a new site that collects in three columns top headlines from left-leaning publications, uh, center and right, and displays them side by side. And it has been, um, it's been eye-opening for me to see how the same story is reported from left to right. And not that, like, I'm not finding that it's something that I do just to see how wrong one side is and how right another one is. It's almost a way to, as you read the different takes on them, to kind of put together the real story in the middle. And I'm finding that way healthier for me than just reading like the, the, the ones that I agree with usually just make me angry these days because, you know, that's what they're selling is anger and outrage. And then kind of being able to see the exact same thing coming from the other side for different reasons um, kind of helps me find peace in the middle and just say, this is what's happening now. Yeah. That's I like huge. it. Yeah. All right. So without getting into a news discussion, let's tell people where they can find you. <laughs> oh, we're all over the place. Uh, you know, the sweet setup.com is uh kind of the main site we're talking about today it's a great spot to go it's nerdy uh, there will be links to the uh, learn ulysses videos and i'll link your i'm going to link your about page which also links to sean today and the sweet setup and tools and toys and the week weekly briefly the latest in the details uh kind of a lot of the stuff you've done so I've done quite a bit. Some of it's still going. Some of it's on pause. Well, you gotta you gotta pause some things, of it is make no room more. for new stuff. Um, I do. And you are Sean Blanc on Twitter. S H A W N B L A N C. I sure am on and, all the on all the things except which is Facebook. Just good branding. Um, Thanks. So anywhere else you wanna you wanna link? That's it, man. That's great. All right. Um, and I am Brett Terpstra. I am at brettterpstra.com. I'm here as well as uh, uh, Overtired on ESN, which will be coming back 
next week or the week after. I have a, a recording scheduled with Christina, our first time in a couple months since she moved to Seattle, and I'm very excited. So, And Taylor Swift has a new album just in time for us to talk about it. Uh, and then I am everywhere, TT Scoff. So uh, find me. And, uh, Sweet, dude. Yeah, thanks for being here, Sean. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Congrats on the uh, on the video series. Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun putting them together, getting it out there. Excellent. All right. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Mm-hmm.